0: This is The Grit Podcast, Episode 5. Hi, my friends, and welcome to The Grit Podcast. I'm Mary Wordeman, And, you know, grief relief takes time, and recovery, if there is such a thing, is tough. And it takes real grit to be willing and able to embrace your grief. This show is about grief and all the stuff that goes along with it. It's about not going it alone, which too many of us try to do. Since losing my son and my mom and my dad all within one year, I've been walking my grief path. And I invite you to come along with me on this journey as I find my footing and explore this thing called grief. And if you're grieving a loss too, maybe we can find our footing together. So again, welcome. And uh, today, let's talk about grief. And specifically, let's talk about the differences in grief. You know, when we lose someone, that makes us bereaved. We go into bereavement, right? And then as we're grieving, initially we're in what we call acute grief. It's fresh, it's new, it's t- strong, it's an intense crushing. Um, it's so, so heavy. And as we continue to grieve, um, we enter a thing called mourning. That's how we go through grief. That's all the things we do to process grief. But when grief stalls or gets stuck, it can become what is called complicated grief, as if grief wasn't already complicated, right? Complicated grief is most likely to occur in certain kinds of losses, Um, the first one being the loss of a child. So tough. And then the loss of a life partner, of course. Violent loss is more uh, likely to throw someone into complicated grief. And, uh, the loss uh, when someone takes their own life. So what makes grief complicated? What distinguishes or differentiates acute grief with complicated grief? Well, complicated grief tends to stick around. It, it tends to, it's almost as if it's acute grief that is just uh, never-ending. It just continues into that um intense type of grief where people uh, in, in complicated grief tend to ruminate about the circumstances of the loss. Um, we stay in the shoulda, woulda, couldas. We think about, you know, the if-onlys. If if only we had gone to the hospital sooner, if, excuse me, if only I hadn't, um, if I hadn't left them alone. Um and we tend to go over those things over and over and over again. Um, we just keep playing the same tape over and over again in our minds. Um, we also worry about the consequences of our loss. We, um, I guess, for instance, if we lost our life partners and we're alone and we start to think about what that might look like, um, you know, just the consequences. Where do we go from here? And we tend to go over that over and over and over again. You know, now I have to do all these things alone where I I had my best friend to do it with and um, my life partner who was my best friend and and they're gone and now I have to deal with these things alone. The finances, the the car, all those things that perhaps I didn't have to deal with Previously, um, when we're in complicated grief, we we tend to um, resort to excessive avoidance of the reminders. For a long time, I couldn't look at pictures. Pictures were difficult. A lot of us can't look at pictures of our loved ones. Um, it's hard to drive by certain places. It's hard to go to certain restaurants. Maybe. Um, it's just we just try to avoid going to certain places or doing certain things, um, just because it, it reminds us reminds us of how terribly painful um, our loss is, and how how much in pain that we really are, um, and all of these things they they keep people just tossed so helplessly on the ways of intense emotion. Um, you know, with complicated grief, healing is impaired and it's impeded, and the acute grief is intense and is prolonged. As I said earlier, it's as if you're just stuck in the acute uh, grief and you just can't move on from that. And again, uh, these more often than not involve the loss of a child, a life partner, Um, a homicide or a suicide. Um, So if we are in complicated grief, and that really only affects a small number of the population. uh, I think it's about 7%. But um, when we are stuck in this never-ending cycle of playing these tapes over and over in our heads or just feeling absolutely overwhelmed and overcome with our grief. We, we can't move forward. So the the obstacle and the hurdle becomes how. How can we move forward? Um, so let's talk about that. Let's make that our focus. Um, you know, grief itself, in some form, will always remain with us. Right? I mean, we'll always be sad that our loved one is no longer with us. Um, but remember, the goal—the goal, the goal here—is to learn how to be in this world again, um, and not only to just be, and not only to just go on, but to somehow learn to move into a space, um, a different space where we can experience joy again, Um, a space where we can merge our sorrow. I've said it before, uh, the space where we can take that sorrow and and merge it with the joy that is still here, the joy that uh, is still in front of us today. So... uh, there's a specific way to treat complicated grief. There's specific steps or tools, maybe is the best way to, to word it, tools or um, tips that we can use to help us to become unstuck, to, to, to move forward at least. And the first one that I wanted to talk about is companionship. You know, grief grief needs to be expressed it uh it can't be pushed down or just it it'll stick around as it does with acute grief what it shouldn't acute grief is is intense and short-lived but when it sticks around it's complicated grief and that's what it becomes when we push it down um and it, so it continues to go unresolved um when we grieve, we need a community we need a safe space where we can work through grief talk about our grief um, and it's uh, so helpful to to talk with people who have experienced the same type of grief you know that's that's why I felt so compelled to start the the local chapter of grasp here in in Louisville with a good friend of mine and um, you know, I just felt that I needed my peers, and and I and I really felt that they needed they needed a community too. There were so many so many of us here in Louisville and uh, in the whole country who have, who have lost someone to the opi- opioid crisis, and I just I wondered where all these people were. I I needed them. I needed to say, hey, you know, I needed to be able to just sit with Uh, with someone and they need they needed to be with people too we need to be with people who are experiencing the same kind of loss there's that understanding um, that doesn't require words and that is so so very helpful Um, so you know when we come together as a community it, it gives us the space to talk about and work through To work through the process and to to work through grief, Um, so companionship, and you know, and it doesn't doesn't have to be a group, it doesn't have to be a support group. It just you just need to uh, be able to sit with someone who um, you feel safe with and comfortable with, and who and understood by, who can be there with you and help you uh, walk your path uh, while you learn to um, to be again where you learn to assimilate and integrate everything that's happened um, and, and and become who you're, who you are transforming into because you're not the same person when you've suffered, a huge loss or a loss a loss a meaningful deeply meaningful loss it it changes you you're you're not the person um, that you were the day before your loss happened so you need you need that companionship and you need people you need to be with people so that you can work through and and process um, your grief and no one knows how long that takes uh, it's different for for everyone but I believe that 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 it doesn't last forever everyone um, so many people um, will tell you in grief that you'll never recover and I, I I don't I have not found that to be true for myself um, again you know grief in some way never ends I will never stop missing um, my son or my mom or my dad, um, I'll always uh, experience a certain amount of of deep sadness. So so it it just doesn't matter if it's a big group or a small group, you need people and you need to express your grief. So that's step number one. Step number two, um, a big one. Self observation and reflection. You know, when we observe and reflect what we're thinking and uh, what those thoughts are, is so uh, powerful. It's it's something that um, that we need to become aware of. Or awareness certainly can help. Thoughts are so hugely powerful. They really do create our reality. They, you know, so often we we aren't even we don't realize we're completely unaware of what we're thinking. We just go through life making mindless judgments about other people. Uh, maybe we are driving in traffic and we have you know an outburst of, of road rage that we don't even we don't stop to think about it, um, and we make assumptions about other people. These things are so powerful. They create, well, they determine our actions. You may not, there's a wonderful, wonderful, um, I don't know if it's a poem exactly, but it's a quote perhaps that uh, it was either Gandhi, I think it's, I researched it once and some, uh, some people say it was something that Gandhi said. Others say it came from Margaret Thatcher. But it's, uh, it's powerful, and it goes like this. You may have heard it. But uh, mind your thoughts, because your thoughts become words. Mind your words, because your words become actions. Mind your actions, because they become your character. And mind your character, because it becomes your destiny. I just think that's so powerful and Really, it's very true. Um, So I think it's huge to find a way, and there are so many different ways to do it, but find a way to take the time to become aware of what you're thinking. Um, When we take that time, either through meditation or uh, centered prayer, um, to get quiet and to either concentrate on our breath, as you do in meditation, or to concentrate on silence, um, as you do in in centered prayer. Um, They're two different, but very similar in some ways. So depending on what you feel more comfortable, um, these are wonderful ways to start to become aware of what you're thinking. Uh, Because once we become conscious of what we're thinking, we can begin to see the stories that we're telling ourselves. And then we can decide at some point, is that true? If we can look at those stories, if we can see that, uh, for instance, if I was ruminating about not getting my loved one to the hospital, I waited too long, I waited to see what was going to happen, and then, you know, we lost them, let's say. And I ruminate about that. I keep telling myself if I had just uh, gotten them to the hospital, if I had just called an ambulance, if I had just, if I had just, if I just, I just... if I become aware that I'm thinking that over and over again, um, then I can start to get a little distance from it and start to, on some level, examine whether or not that's actually true. Um, Because when we begin to see the stories that we tell ourselves, that can help us to stop ruminating or projecting um, and worrying about the future because it gives us the opportunity to really question whether or not that's true. So uh, whether it's through just sitting quietly, um, maybe walking in nature, just something to be that helps you to become aware of, of your thoughts. There's um, uh, a really handy little acronym that can help with this a little bit. It's not a meditation or a prayer, but it's just it's called stop. So it's just the S stands for stop, just pause, take a moment, stop. T take a breath. Just take a deep breath and relax. O observe. Observe what's going on. You know, what observe what's going on in your in your in your thoughts. Take a moment and then P proceed. You know, proceed by either deciding to let that thought go or you know it's, go a little deeper with that thought, just, um, just take a moment, stop and take a breath, observe, and then proceed. So, um, that is self observation and reflection. And I will say that it's been such a valuable tool personally for me and, um, I've become, you know, a lot more aware. I'm still, I mean, we're all working on awareness and judgment and assumption. And I just think it helps us to to um, just stop telling the stories that we tell ourselves, which can be so negative and so damaging to us. Um, so awareness. Uh, number three is uh, oscillating toward in a way From emotional pain. This is what really uh, facilitates uh, natural healing. And I think that a lot of us do that naturally. There are times when we, um, you know, when we want to go deep or we maybe some people who love us might want us to stop dwelling on something. Sometimes we just need to to be with it. Um, We need to turn into it and we need to sit with it and then there are other times when we really need to take a step away from it uh, it's perfectly normal and and i think it's natural to do that there are days when um you know i, I i've noticed that that it's there that my grief is really uh, intense and it's really upfront it's very close and on those days not always, but there, sometimes I will try to say, okay, you know, uh, I feel that, so I'm not going to fight it. I'm just going to be with it and let it in, and, um, and, and I think that can be really helpful. So uh, not dwelling on it, uh, but sometimes turning into inward to your pain or, and your loss and embracing that pain. Um, and that's different than ruminating. Ruminating is going over it, over it, over it, over it. But uh, sometimes, as I said, inviting the pain in and not fighting it helps it to dissipate. Suddenly, you know, it's, it takes, sometimes it takes more energy to push it away than it does to simply be with it and, you know, ride that wave, you know, just accept that today perhaps is going to be a day where there's going to be, a lot of tears and um and you're going to feel that but also you might notice that when that's done you know you feel wiped out and you feel exhausted but uh, that sometimes the next day or uh, several hours later you feel more peaceful um that you because you've let it out and you've been with it you've sat with it you you let it in so um moving toward the pain sometimes is very helpful. So number four, imagery exercises. Um, sometimes just imagining yourself in detail in a beautiful, beautiful place, um, whether it's the beach or a field, and then trying to really picture yourself there uh, with, a, with, with however it is, however it is for you, in, in as much detail as you can cultivate that can really bring peace into the body and, and relax the mind, and that can be extremely healing. Um, and then number five, uh, fostering positive emotions. Again, can't stress it enough. When you, can, when you can become aware of your thoughts, you have the power to change them. Uh, maybe not right away, but you move in that direction when you catch yourself um, and again, you know, thoughts are so powerful because they really, uh, they determine so much of, of how, of how you feel and what you say and what you do. And, you know, unfortunately we're mostly um, more often than not, we're more negative and harder on ourselves than anyone else. So, you know, I encourage you to, you know, to, Catch yourself when you're doing that, and and try to practice some self-love and give yourself a break because um, um, you know trying to foster positive emotions is really helpful in grief. Um, okay, so really, again, the first step is to simply become aware of what you're thinking, and I really love to use. The stop acronym, and you know whether or not your grief is classified as um, complicated grief or not. You know, grief is not an easy road to walk. It's not. It's complex and it's individual, uh, but it's also so profound and transformational. Even it can it can really open you up, and it can certainly wake you up. If nothing else that is that is for sure. And you know there are those that feel that uh, that they won't experience joy ever again and you know I understand I understand how people uh, feel in that space, how people get to that space. but again I, I don't find that to be true. You know let's put it this way again, grief. Insofar as that we're never going to stop feeling sad that our loved ones are gone from our sight, we're never going to stop missing them. Um, that's permanent. Grief is permanent in that regard. But However, you know, the, the acute, all-consuming intensity, it can moderate over time um, as grief becomes deeper and less intrusive and in- integrated into our lives. Morning is is how we do that, and I believe that our goal again is to to emerge from that space. And we can we can do that in in time, and we can exit that space, and we can step into a life where there's happiness, uh, and yes, my friends, even joy. So um, I hope that helped. I I I think that. Um, it takes time and it takes work and it takes effort, and it's painful. And with help, with help from friends and companionship and some self-awareness, those that's how we begin to just take the steps forward and step into um, step into joy again, merge that sorrow. Um, you know, I think it's a really profound. Now, uh, when I when I observe a, a, a beautiful, beautiful sunset, it's it's a bit different for me than it used to be. Or a moon, a beautiful moon, um, I see it, I see it, I see the beauty, but it has more depth for me now than it used to. Um, so, my hope and my prayer and my wish for you is that you can. Be gentle and kind with yourself and uh, step into some awareness. Think about what you're thinking. Um, cultivate positive um, attitudes and positive thoughts and, um, and step into that space where you can merge joy with sadness. And with that, my friends, I will leave you, but I wish you peace and joy and light on this journey.